This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Yours straight on. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Hey, Jim, it's uh, great to be on the show again. It's been a long time, hasn't it? What, two years? Yeah, it must have been uh, about, uh, uh, it was pre-pandemic at least, so uh, yeah, it could be about two years. Not only was it pre-pandemic, I think it was pre-internet in Orania. <laughs> <laughs> that might be possible. Yes, you actually have a decent internet connection for a change. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was not Urania's fault in the, in the past. It's just my own fault. You know? <laughs> so, uh, no, no fault for the community there. We were just talking before we went live. Um, I was just saying to you that um, I watched the latest James Bond. What were you saying to me about it now? <clears throat> yeah, Jeremy, that, uh, one of my favorite uh, stories, and uh, I accept it as fact uh, on the one hand because uh, it's, it's a really great story and I want to, but on the other hand, because a lot of historians actually agree on this, um, I, um, I uh, asked her around, uh, you know, uh, asked some historians about this and I searched a, a bit. Um, and, and it seems that the, the 007 story, the James Bond story, is actually inspired by the, the Boer uh, scout, uh, the first Raki. Donny Tron, which was at the, the Anglo-Boer War, obviously a legendary scout, and he also revolutionised the, the idea of bicycle warfare, something that uh, you know jam warfare should look into. But uh, back to the point, it, 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 um, this, I mean, this guy was a, was an absolute legend. He was a he was a qualified, so he could uh, he could speak the the, the Queen's English, uh, something that very little or very few Boers uh, could do at that uh, stage. And um, I think it's pre-war, or maybe in the early stages of the war, uh, some journalist, uh, I can't remember which publication, Cape Town, published a piece about the Dutch woman that was, uh, you know, so uh, primitive and uh, unwomanly and so on. And, and then Donitron actually took his horse, uh, he rode to, to the closest uh, train station, left his horse there, took the train for like a, a day or, or something, hired a horse, rode into the city, walked into this guy's office, beat him up, turned around, back on the horse, back on the train and back home. Um, so, and, and actually he represented himself in, in court and so on. So that's one of the stories. Another one, well, there's, there's a lot of legendary stories, but my favorite is the fact that he, because he could speak the Queen's English, he slipped into the, the British camps, military camps. Somewhere he acquired the British captain's uniform. And he put that on and he would slip into the camps and give random orders and steal maps and stuff like that. And, um, and uh, the name that he would introduce himself uh, as uh, was uh, Captain James Bond. So, uh, so uh, the, the narrative has it that, that he would be the inspiration for Ian Fleming to, to start writing his novels. It's, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the crack of the, of the, the British, um, Military in the Second World War was called the British Commandos from the Boer War, inspired mm. by the Boer Commandos. And the same with this, uh, uh, you know, this hero in the fictive world as well. So uh, it's good to inspire people, Jim. I hope, though, that the inspiration comes from the older James Bond because the current James Bond <laughs> is turning into a politically correct woke catastrophe. Yeah, but we have nothing to do with that. <laughs> we stopped inspiring, inspiring them in like the, the, the 80s or so. so. You, you haven't seen the latest one? I have not. I have not. Okay, so I won't, give it, I won't give away any spoilers, but I will say this. For anybody who wants to go and watch it, um, I would recommend it. It's very good. But it is definitely the last James Bond you will ever watch in your life. Because after this, it's going to be a disaster. For all, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but since, since we're talking um, in a weird kind of way <laughs> about, about, about cultural dynamics here, let's, let's switch across to Orania. 
because that's what you represent. And what is it? What is Aronia for those who don't know? I mean, it's a town. Uh, well, it is a town. I think uh, I would answer it something in the sense of it is an idea and it's a reality. And the idea was uh, was uh, it was was first, and then the reality was created. I I like to to use the term to say um, I think Urania is the only town in South Africa that was um, <clears throat> not formed around natural resources like industries or mining or or whatnot. It was not formed for any other reason than um, than an idea. So Urania was first an idea, and now it's a reality. And it might be a small reality still. It's not, um, it's not, uh, you know, a major role player in South Africa. But it is doing something else, and it is to grab the attention um, of of people in South Africa, but also internationally. It is, uh, it is to some extent inspiring people. I think it is grabbing the imagination of people, and that is why the idea part should not be let go the moment that the reality starts to manifest you know you should you should stick to 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 your roots where, where things started and that's why the Urania idea is such a what is that powerful thing it's a, it's something that's grounded and it's it's important I mean, I was asking that a bit facetiously, but I think the the reality is that what I think the town the town was founded i think in nineteen ninety one right but the idea was founded before that. Yeah, yeah. So what so is the, the difference? Iranian, I, yeah, what is the difference between the town and the movement? No, well, so the, the, a town is a, is a physical manifestation and that has to be, um, you know, managed in terms of roads, electricity and water supply and, and things like practical every, everyday things, which is, of, of course, enormously important. You can't mm. have any decent place if it's not managed well. Um, and obviously, to create a place, you need planners and architects and so on. But what a lot of people, especially I think in the conservative movements of, of, of the world, forget is that uh, you need also need planners and architects of an idea. And the way that is uh, important in, in Urania is because Urania started as an idea, as, as you now uh, very uh, rightfully said, uh, it started in like the 70s with, uh, with multiple organizations. One was uh, Sabra, which some of the viewers might know of, the South African Bureau of Racial Affairs. One was Afstig, uh, the Afrikaner Freiheitsstichting. Uh, another one was the Urania Werkers. And so on. So there's a lot of uh, influences in, in, into this idea. But um, uh, as an as a idea develops and the reality manifests, you need to keep planning and keep continue to, 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 to you need to continue to build it out. You know, it's it's not something static. It's something dynamic and very much alive. So you need to, it's like a fire. You need to blow uh, oxygen into it. Yeah? Give it something to to, to burn on and, 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 and grow. And the moment you stop doing that, uh, either you're going to stagnate and just you know stay the way you are, or you're going to lose purpose, or you're going to die down. Um, so it's very, very important to give the idea a life. But just let's go back a second. You know? I think we, we discussed this in the last stream as well. But if you go into South Africa in the 1970s um, and you're an Afrikaner, right? Um, you have the political power in South Africa, you have the economic power in South Africa, you have uh, the military power in South Africa and you're kind of dominating your own country and also mm. the neighboring countries and you're a major role player on the continent. And now there's some academics saying we can see the future, you know, <laughs> we can actually see the future. We, we're not wizards or whatnot. We are just um, sociologists and, and we see something happening. We look at something very um, simple. And that is our neighboring countries. We see the winds of change blowing through Africa and this idea of decolonizing. We see the major colonial powers pulling out of Africa, leaving Mozambique, leaving uh, um, uh, Angola, uh, pulling out of those countries. Rhodesia is it's not uh, faring too well anymore. You know, they, they're losing uh, a lot of power. And we can see the future. 
the future in about 20 years, not only will Afrikaners lose power in this country, there will be people who have previously been in power, who have now lost power, and who are really easy to identify because you can see, you know, this you can see on street who is who. And that's going to leave you with problems. And that's on the one hand. On the other hand, you have this moral issue of, um, uh, and that is one of the most important fundamental ideas of Urania, is the idea of labor. I've been thinking about this a lot, and obviously the guys who, who um, started the Urania ideas has got immensely uh, deep levels of knowledge on this. But if you think about the history of the world in terms of labor relations, you know, from communism to fascism to whatever political movement, um, all the influences of unions and the French Revolution, you could take almost anything and go look at the labor relations. And labor, uh, you know, the system uh, in the 70s in South Africa where, where certain jobs, especially menial labor, was, you know, for certain people, it's not sustainable. Um, so you have that on the other hand. So this think tank of intellectuals, uh, especially people who are looking at migration patterns and... Um, and, and social structures and things, I say, listen, guys, we're going to be in trouble. We're not, we're not in trouble now because, you know, we find we have a lot of, of, of power on multiple levels, but we're going to lose it. And, and it's a very realistic scenario that we look like, um, you know, the Portuguese population of Mozambique. We need to make a plan now. And that plan is stop trying to give homelands for everybody else and ruling over the country lose control of the country or give up control of the country, get a homeland for yourself. Get a place where Afrikaners is a, a demographic majority in a geographical area. That is the only sustainable way that Afrikaners can look after themselves on the long term. There is no other way. So that is, I think, one of the first ideas of Urania is the idea of demographic politics, concentration politics. Uh, I mean, uh, a good example of this is, is you know, farm attacks. Why is it so easy for 10 guys to attack an elderly couple on a farm? Because they are isolated. You know, maybe two old people on a, on a farm, senior citizens, they're vulnerable, and they are 10 kilometers from the closest help. It's an easy target, you know, and these, these farm murderers, they come in groups of 10 or 14 as the, the cowards that they are, and they attack these people, but it's easy target. Now think about an entire nation in those same terms. If you're spread around, you're vulnerable. If you're concentrated in one place, you're not all that vulnerable. But there's also other implications. You can create schools, you can create churches, you can create institutions that serve your needs without, and this is also important, without dominating anyone else. Everybody else still have the right to do things as they see fit. But you mm. have the things that you want and you can, you can you know, protect your culture. You just said something now that I was actually going to ask you uh, later on in the conversation, but let me just jump to that now. Um, Orania gets a lot of bad press and obviously for all the wrong reasons. Um, but what you just said now is critical. This isn't about ruling the majority uh, via a minority. This is a minority, an extremely small minority determining its own affairs as easy as that jeremy i mean the the, the thing is you know if you want to uh, we we speak a lot about things like freedom in terms like mm. that you know? and if you want to define that i think something that resonates well with me is the idea of not being ruled over by a foreign power and not ruling over anybody else you know and uh, afrikaners are so um Sadly, you know, it's introspection is, is important as well, and we must be able to, to admit where we are wrong. We are so addicted to cheap labor, right? The availability of cheap labor, menial labor. We run businesses on it. We built an entire massively industrial country on it. But, but we're addicted to it, you know. I see that, you know, the, 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 it's, it's a problem. And if you're addicted to something, um, you know, it, it, it rules over you. So, so when we went through the, through the process of, you know, um, uh, becoming a super industrial country in like the 60s to the 80s, uh, we did it on, 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 on systems of cheap labor. And, and that somewhere along the lines, those, uh, 
those uh, laborers started to to develop uh, uh, unions and they started organizing you know and it is so easy to stop an entire country in its tracks if you control the labor affairs um so 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 if you do not in the first place misuse those systems of labor and on the other hand uh, you know have the have the world to rule over different culture groups i mean it's quite easy just concentrate on one place and look after your own face and then you actually have the opportunity to be free to, to some extent let's go back a few steps what is the goal of oronia I think you've alluded to it, but it's essentially yeah. looking forward, right? Yeah, yeah. So let me just uh, use the, sort of, you know, put up a qualifier. The reason why people look at Urania, especially the very antagonistic media, and they see apartheid, is not because we're a apartheid community. Um, it is because they understand the world in terms of the parameters that's set you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, the way that world was designed. And these people have not broken out of this set of ideas. What we are, what we are looking to achieve, you know, and it's a very complicated uh, conversation in terms of how and what and what does it mean. But we are, you know, we want to be free as, as an Afrikaner cultural group. We want to be free to live out our, our culture, our, to, to preserve our language, to, to preserve our religion. Um, and and to build that out, and um, and to grow that as a community, and uh, and that is essentially the goal. We learned some lessons in the past thirty years. Um, I think in the in the early years of Urania, we had very specific ideas, and and we evolved to an extent, and we learned what is practical and what not, um, and we changed uh, strategies over the years and so on. But the goal remains the same: it's Afrikaner freedom. And obviously a recipe for anyone else to use. I mean, it's uh, for sure. anyone is welcome to visit Urania, to learn from us, to take our ideas. We see that as very, very, very strong and capable sets of solutions that anyone can use. It seems self-evident, but who is welcome to live in Urania? That is a, a complicated question, and, and we should, you should expect a complicated answer. But if I, I have to simplify it, I'll just say Afrikaners. Afrikaners is welcome to live in Romania. Um, now there's a lot of, you know, people want qualifiers. You know, what is this and what is that? Uh, on the on the end, everything. If you take everything away, our right to residency programs. You take all that away. Romania boils down to this: we're a Christian. Afrikaner, Afrikaans-speaking community. And what does that mean? And, or, or, or let me put it this way. The question that you should ask yourself is, will you be welcome here? You know, Because we, we get a lot of, you know, antagonistic, you know, uh, people who say, well, listen, I'm black. You Are you going to try and stop me to come and live there? You know what we do? We send them the application papers. You know, are you serious? Do you want to come and live here? Or are you trying to, you know, trying to, to catch us out on some technicality? Do you want to live here? You know, who, you, who, who are you trying to fool exactly? Mm. Um, um, uh, so, so we have processes and we have, have things that we want people to acknowledge and we want uh, people to have um, not necessarily a clean, clean criminal record, but at least not wanted for murder two weeks ago and, you know, major drug trafficking and people trafficking. <laughs> so we look at people's criminal backgrounds. It's, it's important. We have a, a, we have a very very large percentage of the, of the community is actually small children. Um, so, so we have something to protect, mm. but uh, so we look at that and so on, obviously there's this technicalities and whatnot, but the major concern is, are you an Afrikaner? Are you a Christian? Do you speak Afrikaans? And do you share our vision and mission? And do you think you'll be welcome here? Do you think you'll be welcome here? And just to add to that, that just to show that it's not about skin color. I, for example, wouldn't want to live in Oranya, uh, A, because it's in the middle of nowhere, um, but also B, I'm not Afrikaans, so I don't share that same that, sh- that, that same desire for Afrikaans heritage and culture. But that's the point I'm trying to make. It's about that. It's about the culture and heritage, right? It, it, in other words, it's no different to, say, a Zulu community creating its own town 
Yeah, and we support that. We would support that. You know, I would support that. Uh, I've actually, I think I, I saw, uh, told you last time as well, but we, I mean, we support um, a Toza community in the Eastern Cape, which is like a very traditional, uh, very strictly traditional Toza community looks to, 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 to further their, their own sense of, of, of independence or, or self-reliance. We support that. It's wonderful, fantastic. I mean, you can ask yourself this, and, and then here's the thing, here's the great thing. We are not trying to design an Orania that's everything for everybody, you know. Um, we are not forcing all Afrikaners to come here and integrate and live here. They are perfectly reasonable, conservative, Christian, Afrikaans-speaking Afrikaners who don't want to live here. It's, it's as simple as that, you know. Um, we, are, we are creating a, a space where we feel welcome and where we can build out our vision and mission. It's not for everybody. And if, if something is for everybody, it's normally not for everybody, you know. Uh, but then, 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 then you're back at uh, you know majorities. So, so there's yeah. no such thing as something that is for everybody because a, a majority will will form and then the, impose their will on everybody else. If you don't want to live in Orania, don't come and live here. It's not it's not all that hard. But that's also an important point. It's voluntary. Yeah, yeah. So I always say there's three role players in, in you know the right to to. Urania citizenship, if you want to call it that. The first one is the ex-official, like the, the official uh, channels that you should follow. You apply. There's some questions about, you know, do you have a criminal record? You know, do you, have, uh, you, do you sell or misuse hard drugs? And so on and so on. Do you align yourself with our values or language or uh, our religion and so on? And I guess someone could lie their way through all that. It's not impossible. Mm. Uh, the second role play, or well, that's actually, you know, maybe the second one, the, the first one would actually be yourself. Are you going to feel welcome here? Do you want to come and live here? I mean, you have a say in this. As you said, it's voluntary. And the last one is the community. The community, um, although the, the, um, the Human, Human Rights Commission have tested our... It seems that UST has frozen in time. Just, you are back. Yeah, I'm back. You I'm are back. back. All yeah, right. We have, but, a, we have a thunderstorm here. I don't know what, uh, I guess something is, um, is hit by lightning or something like that. I'm not sure where I cut off, but I said there's, there's three role players in, 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 in feeling welcomed in Iran. The one is the official channels. Mm. The one is the person that's one of movie. They obviously have a say in, in, in everything. And the third one is the community. The community is not an official system or uh, yeah. you know something that's controllable but they can make you feel welcome or unwelcome if uh, you know uh, on that point i'm uh, interrupting myself here but i want to i want to state something conservatives in the in the states in the united states it's got this massive thing about cancel culture cancel culture is so bad and, and everything like that you know every culture has it they use it for gatekeeping every culture has con cancel culture it's just a question of who's in control. And they're just unhappy with cancel culture because, you know, they don't have the political power to impose a set of rules on, on society. But, you know, this uh, every culture in the history of time cancel people for, for things, you know. This, that's the way societies work. Um, if you come to Orania and you vividly oppose everything that we stand for, I guess you're going to get cancelled. If you, you know, go to America and you're a communist, well, if you were a communist in the 1980s, uh, you, 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 you're going to, you, you were going to get cancelled. It's just a question of who holds political power in society. And, um, you know, cancel culture is not a bad thing. It's just bad when you're not in control of it. I mean, so I the think community the community has a say. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's the point that you're making. The undercurrent is that Orania is driven by community. Yeah, community, culture, language, religion, things that are important to us, things that we want to preserve and things that we want to build out. And that's basically our only idea, you know, every, every group, every nation, every community has that right inherently. We believe it's a God-given right. You, you should be able to live out the things that the values that you, that you support. But, you know, a lot of things is, is granted in the Constitution, for example, doesn't mean a thing. You can, you can write on a piece of paper, you now have the right to clean water. 
there's nobody supplying clean water to you, that piece of paper doesn't mean anything. You know, you can write. You have the right to safety. You have the right to 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 liberty or life. Mm. If there's not police, you know, keeping you safe, or if you can't take that responsibility yourself, you just aren't safe. So, so on the one hand, we strongly believe every group of people have a God-given right you know, to, to freedom. On the other hand, while that comes with responsibility, you need to be able to, to build it out, to protect it every day, consistently work on it. Otherwise, you're just not going to have it. And if the government isn't going to grant you those rights, you're going to do it yourself. Yes. So, Ron has got three founding um, ideas. Our own piece of land, our own institutions, and own labor. So, own piece of land, it's self-explanatory. It's mean, obviously, you need space to do the things that you want to do. Acquire land legally and possess, possess it legally. You know, there's no other way. Secondly, as own institutions, on the one hand, you've got a state that is constantly more and more unable to fulfill its basic duties. Um, you have, like, this, this absolute... Um, chaos in state or semi-state institutions, state-owned enterprises. You've got failing ESCOM, you've got failing uh, SAA, and so on. On the other hand, you've got a state that's actually antagonistic against uh, Afrikaners, you know, that doesn't want to want to push us out of society. So for those two reasons, one, the inability to deliver, on the other hand, the, the antagonism, we decided to you know, build our own institutions, build our own churches, build our own schools, build, build our own socioeconomic um, systems, build our own chambers of commerce, build everything that we need ourselves. And it sounds very romantic. It's bloody hard work, and it, and it mm. expects a lot of volunteers. You know, the, the amount of time that people in Rania volunteer in the community is astounding. I mean, it's you, you can't believe it, the, the, the levels which people are, people are involved in the community. Involved at the church, involved at the school, involved at the Chamber of Commerce, working for as a volunteer, safety and security, helping out with, you know, cleaning projects, helping out with construction projects, helping out with socioeconomic uplifting, you know, doing so much for the community. And if you, if you had to put a monetary value on that, you know, all the people that, that do things for free for the community, it is Massive. I don't think people truly understand how busy you're on that. It's crazily busy. Um, but that is, you know, that's the price you have to pay. You can't, you can't sit on your back and you just wait for things to happen. If you want to build out systems that's actually functional, either you have to pay someone to do it, which is just a contract, or you have to take up responsibility and mobilize volunteers. And sometimes people get quite fed up. <laughs> It's a lot of work, Jeremy. It's, 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 it's really a lot of work. But in the end, I think it's worth it. And it gives a massive sense of pride, of, um, of, of self-actualizing, you know, taking part. It forms good friendships. It forms good structures in the community. And people are connected on so many levels. Um, so I think it's, it's good. It's very healthy. How big is Aronia? Uh, in terms of population or size? Both. Okay, so we, we do a, a yearly census. Uh, 2020's census, we were 2,066 souls. Uh, but what's interesting is we, we had a, a, a solid growth of about 10% every year, just over 10% for the past six years. Last year, our population grew of 16.5%. So that's, you know, that's massive growth. And remember, that was in the lockdown year, right? So a lot of the months, available months, was, was frozen. Um, this year, I think we're going to see something similar. Urania is exploding. Um, it's growing very, very rapidly. Um, uh, really, really fast. There was a time that everyone knew everyone in the town. It's not the case anymore. It's really growing fast. Um, and that's that's in terms of, um, of, uh, of, of population. In terms of size, uh, the, 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 the main part of town is, is about... Uh, I think about. Uh, I think we're close to between eight and ten thousand uh, hectares, all in all. We've got different land-owning entities. It's quite complicated, but all in all, I think between eight and ten thousand uh, hectares. What is the political structure of the town? 
That is a good question, not an easy one, but it's a good one. So, so, so basically, um, you have land-owning entities. So you, you've got the, the, the town originally was bought by um, by you know volunteers and people who donated and so on, and they formed a company which is the primary municipality now. Um, uh, registered as Urania, but as a company. And then you have different farms and groups of, of, of people who bought pieces of land, some agricultural, some for development, and so on and so on. And, you know, this got connected to the, to the main town. But each of those land-owning entities have their own board of directors, for example, or group of elected or whatever. So all of them is represented um, on a very direct manner, elected by the people in that area or appointed by the people in that area. And they represent Urania on things like uh, the right to be a citizen, right? So a representative uh, from, from each of the landowning entities would um, be represented in, in a committee which decides things like this. So very practical. Then we've got our political structure in terms of um, uh, our municipal status, which was quite interesting. It's a court case that we had in 2000 with the state. Um, they wanted to, to force us to, to, to integrate in our neighboring municipality, Timbelite. Urania was, um, it started in 91. So in two, uh, by the time we got to 2000, we were already like nine years going. Still very small, but we, we got some momentum. And um, in 2000, we had this court case in the Constitutional Court, and we actually, uh, you know, quite interesting story, but we, we settled with the state outside of court, and we are totally unique, I want to say independent municipality. We can make our own rules, collect our own levies, and so on. No political parties in our municipality. And for that reason, uh, with the municipal election, that's just uh, passed now, but it was 1 November, um, we didn't vote. Uh, we don't vote municipally. People are welcome to vote nationally or provincially if they see, uh, see fit to do so. But we vote for direct representatives in our community. No political parties involved. The nice thing about that is no matter who wins, if it's your candidate or not, there's never, never a communist winning. It's never the EFF or, 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 or so. It's, it's always another guy from Urania, another Afrikaner from Urania. If it's your favorite or not, doesn't matter. The, the lines of separation is, is much, much less, much more natural. There's not a lot of compensa compensation. I think you, you you get enough to cover your, your monthly airtime and, and petrol, but it's, 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 it's voluntary, you know. It's, it's not really something that you do for gain. Um, so people don't take the job for the money. It's more of a responsibility. And uh, they represent us as a as the type of a umbrella organization. In terms of economy, how's Aranya doing? It's almost it's almost as if it's a the start the start of a of a city state. Yeah, and that's a that's a good example, and that is our that would be our short our short term strategy. And the reason for that is that we um, <clears throat> we realized in order to you know a lot of Afrikaners specialists. You know, lawyers, doctors, um, accountants, whatever. And uh, in order to accommodate them, we need to be able to form enough of a of a concentration of value, becoming something like a city or a city state, to to accommodate these these people in order to to grow exponentially. So um, so that's kind of a, a short term strategy to go from town to city. Now we can speak a lot about the definitions of a city. It gets quite interesting, but um, but on the end, we need to be able to accommodate specialists uh, in the community. But let me just quickly open the 2020 census here, uh, which is the last one, and um, I can uh, really read you a bit more about our economic growth and so on. So obviously, uh, I told you that we grew in terms of population about 16 and a half percent. Massive, best growth. It's a record year in terms of, 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 of population growth. In terms of economy, 
uh, I think we grew about 25% in new businesses that was created. Oh, here we are. Uh, average per year is 27.7% growth in new businesses. Um, with the main, um, main sectors being delivery, trade, construction, and tourism. And um, that's the four major role players in our economy. And um, they actually, they're quite close to each other, so they change in, in order sometimes. You know, sometimes tourism is a bit, bit better than, than construction. Obviously, in 2020, uh, there, was, there was a lot of lockdowns and things going out, uh, around, uh, around the country, and uh, people were far less likely to travel and so on. Um, but, but all the, the services, service delivery, trade, construction, and, um, and, uh, and tourism is our main economic drivers. When you say tourism, though, how attractive is Oranya? Nice. It's like a place to, to come to, you know, in the middle of the river, but it's next to the Orange River, which is nice. Uh, we can actually accommodate a third of our population, right, in extra beds, like in, in, in tourist facilities. So um, we can accommodate between 500 and 700 people extra. Um, and, in, you know, in, in December and school holidays, we... Mm. Full is swamped. People, people stay in the neighboring towns just to you know have a taste of Oranja. We have like a holiday program over December's where, where there's a lot of activities going on and people can do a lot of stuff, and that tends to to, to uh, you know get a lot of people to, to come to Oranja, uh, come and enjoy the place and so on. Um, but this it's it's an, it's a fantastic place to to be on holiday. You know, it's, it's uh, peaceful and and quiet if you're a tourist. There's the river. And, spa you know people go hunt in neighboring farms and stuff like that just quite a nice nice uh, holiday destination oranya also has its own currency not so yeah that is that is something that we're very proud of it's it's not a currency because that would be illegal um and uh what it actually is it's just a coupon system right so that's one of the things that I referred earlier to. You always need to be able to fill. If there's a vacuum, you need to take that. You, know, you need to fill space until something, until something actually manifests for you in terms of, of opportunities. Always keep filling the space. Take up the, the opportunities. So one of the opportunities that we took is um, by, uh, by actually by doing research, how to grow local economies. I mean, it's not rocket science. Uh, one of the basic ideas of growing economy is to circulate value locally. How do you circulate value locally? You create a coupon system um, that only works locally. So now value starts, starts um, uh, you know, circulating. But what you also do is you incentivize people, the, the usage of this, of this coupon system. And uh, we did that in multiple ways, you know, in terms of our own local bank. We have our own uh, bank. We don't have a, like a normal commercial bank like an FNB or an APSA. We've got a community bank, a co-op. Um, and it's uh, it's actually a bit of of, uh, of law that was written for like rural communities. And we took that opportunity. We filled that space as, as well as we could, creating the best uh, uh, cooperative bank in South Africa, winning multiple prizes from the Reserve Bank itself. Uh, and currently we are the biggest co-op bank in South Africa, the, mo the most successful one. And we get that recognition. I mean, the, the Reserve Bank actually gave us that, uh, that recognition. We got that prices that we want and so on. And now we got the Ura, which is our local currency, if you want to call it that, circulating. You don't pay banking fees if you if you withdraw that from your bank account locally. So that's there's some incentive. People are very very proud of it. They 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 like to be associated with thing that uh, something that feels familiar. You know, mm. um, uh, euros on it that you want to associate with and, and so on. It's people are proud of it. They want to use it. And now you start circulating that. A lot of things happen. One is just basically circulation of value, which is really important. Second one is obviously a safety and security issue. If yeah. you use pieces of paper that's without value anywhere else, first people are not going to steal it. Nobody's going to put a gun to your head for that. You know, they can't right. use it anywhere else. Thirdly, we had to back it up with something. Currently, it's backed up by by brands, you know, in, in a bank account. So you have, for the total value of URA circulating in the community, you have brands in the bank, and that is gaining interest, you know, for the time that we we use URA. And the Chamber of Commerce actually used that interest, that 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 that, um, 
that uh, you know that that interest that they are gaining to to empower business owners to train people to empower you know becoming to, to grow the economy even more so that's that's important and third is just lack of you know it's not something mm. to, to have to be proud of we, we love the world but adding to that you've got a cryptocurrency that's attached to that yeah you know we got the the dear or the digital world um it is not a crypto in terms of its volatility it's it's stable because it is backed up by a account uh we actually coined the dear by a process where where elected members of the chamber chamber of commerce has to be um, involved multiple of them but it's actually also backed up it's quite a complicated local process so there's a lot of local terms so it's hard to explain in those terms but the easy way to explain it is to say it's not like a crypto and it's not like a banking app on your phone you know it looks like a banking app on your phone but it's not that it is a it is cash on your phone and when it leaves your phone it has the same um system as a cryptocurrency or blockchain based currency would have in terms of uh backing up the transaction over multiple devices but it is it's like cash on your phone it's like cash in a wallet on your phone and i give it to you directly there's no third party as a bank that uh, you know do the administration behind it it's just moving from one phone to another and there's a lot of that in in, in um, circulation and it's nice you know pulling out your phone but and it's called sorry it's and it's called the d the d aura yeah like digital aura. that's a very clumsy yeah. name i think you should change it to bitcoin yeah i know a great cartoonist who thought the who thought of that joke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back i i think um so let's just try that again so <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're live. I hope we're live. We so, are live. So, uh, so what, what, what's exciting is we managed to create a system which can legally, uh, you know, remove your right to residency if you, uh, uh, you know, disbehave. We don't have jails. We don't lock people up with their criminals. We just, you know, we have the right to deny them entrance to our community and we have the right to deny them the right to, 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 to rent or to work here. So it's quite easy. Um, but we're also developing a legal system where the, the disputes can be uh, settled. It's working really good. Um, the parties can choose, you know, arbiter from from both of them can choose some options and where they overlap. You know, that's obviously the the relevant person to be the to be the officer. But um, we we settle a lot of, of disputes. I mean, you know, Afrikaners, we are. We are we are not easy people to deal with always. You know, sometimes we we, mm. we like a good fight, um, and if, you, if we don't have an, an uh, external enemy, we like to to you know give each other a bit of trouble. But we actually managed to build a good system to settle disputes, to make sure our safety and security is guaranteed in terms of removing people from the community that you know partake in crime or something like that, and to to settle labor issues, to settle whatever social issues anything like that and it's working really great there's a lot of trust the members who represent the community there is, is elected uh, so you can vote for the for the for the people on that panel and um, that's actually something that's growing as we're very exciting excited about that it's a lot of potential there and maybe one day you know external third parties will come to us to to settle their disputes here if we can can keep proving that we like a, a, a fair and, and solid basis uh, for, for, for exactly that. What's your crime level like? Well, it's hard to answer because um, I'm, I'm not sure how you exactly measure that. We, there's no there's no place on earth that's, that's crime-free, right? There's, there's, no, there's mm. no such thing. It's only the heaven that would be crime-free. Urania is also not crime-free. Things happen here. Mm. Um, it's not perfect. I think we have a total contrast to the South African situation in times of violent crime, rape and murder and killings and farmers and things like that. We do have the occasional thing that happens, but there's two things. One, how do you handle a situation that, that happens? And two, how do you prevent it from happening again? I think in, in both those terms, we have good solutions, we have good plans, we think creatively. 
Um, and the, the fact that we can deny someone uh, that acts like a criminal entrance to a community helps a lot. You know, uh, we don't have to to pay with with tax money for your for your stay in a jail forever. We just deny you the right to come here. I think it's a much more sustainable system. You're not taking people's taxpayer money to, um, to to actually look after criminals. So so that's that's working quite well. Um, and, um, and 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 yeah, if, if we if we catch someone that, that steals something, maybe a cell phone. And remember, we, we grow massively, right? So there's a lot of newcomers. It's not always easy to to to, to fully vet someone that, that comes here for like a criminal history or so. But if someone steals something and we and we catch them out, sorry, you, you have to go. We don't want that in our community. We don't want drugs in our community. Yeah. Uh, a community with a population of 2,066 last year had in the one school 460 children and the other school 120 children. It's That's not incredible. that big if you think it, in, in terms of big schools in South Africa, but if you think in terms of the size of the community, it's uh, a lot of children, right? And that's not counting preschools. It's only, you know, grade 1 to 12. And so uh, <laughs> a lot of children, and that's quite important to us. So drugs is just, no, we, we, we zero tolerance, zero tolerance for drugs, zero tolerance for crime. Um, and we handle those things. Do you think Oranya is a role model for other such towns across South Africa? Oranya is a fantastic role model for, for other towns that wants to be like us. Not everybody wants to be like us. Mm. Not everybody, you know, prioritizes uh, things like um, like culture and religion, which is important to us. Some people prioritize other things. Urania is an economic success, but it's not because we're focusing so so hard on economic growth. It's because we're doing a lot of other things right, and the effect of that is economic growth. It's not because we are incentivizing on every possible level just economic growth for the sake of growth. But other communities might have that ambition to just grow economically. It's not our ambition. Our ambition is to create a place where Afrikaners can, I want to say, live their best lives, you know, uh, live a free and prosperous and good and healthy lifestyle. And one of the effects of the idea of doing your own work, doing your own labor, the idea of um, you know having a, a, a quite safe community, the idea of having a fulfilled life on multiple levels, the result of that is also economic growth, but it's also a lot of other things. So there are a lot of communities that, that see Urania as a solution to a lot of problems. You know, the idea of taking responsibility, of not... We are not activists in terms of keeping the state responsibility, uh, responsible for fixing roads and things like that. It's not what we do. You know, we just the more we can do ourselves, the more responsibility we take on ourselves. But the freer we are to extend. Uh, we don't want state money. We still pay taxes. Sadly, uh, we would change that if we could. We, we can't. Uh, you know, we still pay taxes. We don't expect anything in return. We don't get anything in return, and we also don't want anything in return. We don't want to be looked after by like the big nanny state uh, doing everything for us. And it sounds romantic. It's just a lot of work, you know. But it, but we prefer it that way. We prefer to take up those responsibilities, live those um, daily lives of, of of work, really hard work, working very creatively with the little funds and resources to our to, that's available to us, using that to the best of our our, our ability and just creating stuff. Creating a future, so yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of communities that 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 would, you know, uh, use that as a recipe, but everyone must do as they see fit. A few days ago, I had uh, uh, Rahim Targazadegan on my show. Um, he's the Austrian economist. I think you met him a few weeks back when he was in South Africa, and he was talking about the Hanseatic model um, of uh, city states creating networks around the world. And I I suspect that Aronia is a great example of that Hanseatic model, should there be more such towns. Yeah, yeah. So now now we're taking things to the next level, you know. So we already have relationships internationally with a lot of communities that think in the same way, although they're not identical to Aronia, they think in the same way. Mm. A major example would be the South Tyrolean community in Italy, which is a German community, given to Italy after the war as like a war, war prize. 
but they want to be Germans. They, they are Germans. They can't help but being Germans, but because they are Germans, and they want to speak German and live out their German culture. So we have a good relationship with them. We're building good relationships with the Flemish people of Belgium, building good relationships with a lot of, um, of, of Americans in the United States. Um, there's a lot of communities around the world, and especially now with the pressure of lockdowns and, and things like that, people getting fed up of the state. They want to take responsibility back to themselves. They want to take up that, that, that plight and, and work with that. And they're looking at Urania. Um, and then obviously locally, I spoke about uh, the, the Koza community in Yemeni, which has been working with us since, I don't know, 2010. Uh, we have a relationship. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's the future. You know. do you think, private networking. Do you think what Orania is doing is superior to uh, secession? That's a good question. I think it's, I think it's to some extent, I'm not stepping on any toes, but I think it's um, it's more realistic. Um, you know, since everything that happened in in like the nineties, there's a lot of Afrikaners that said, you know, we need total independence now, and you know, Urania would like very much to have our own totally independent place. Uh, the question is, uh, Jeremy, is the question is. Does it work that way, you know? Uh, because normally when you look at a space on a map and you draw with a pen lines on that map and create borders with that pen, you know, it's artificial. While the Urania idea is from the bottom up. Start with an area, dominate that area in terms of doing the work yourself, you know? uh, creating value, creating systems, creating community let that expand and the nice thing is the idea grows you know and the, and the reality can grow with the idea and other places yeah. where there's already certain certain systems in place you can just you know let the idea manifest there so i think what we've learned since like 2002 where we where, where we start seeing you know what is the the way things work is you need to create the reality uh, when we were speaking to Mbeki in, in, in the early 2000s, you know, there's actually, people can go read on the, the Aldi Musa declaration about Afrikaner self uh, independence, self-sufficient Afrikaner area. They actually signed that in Parliament, you know. They, they signed it's a legitimate pursuit for Afrikaners to have their own area in the northwest part of the Northern Cape. That's fantastic. I mean, does it guarantee anything? It guarantees nothing. Mm-hmm. Mbeki's words to us was, show us the animal, create the reality, you know, people can wave pieces of paper and maps around all they want and, you know, claim rights, doesn't mean anything. Obviously, we support people, whether that be in Russia or the USA or South Africa, that wants to take up that responsibility in terms of secession on multiple levels, whatever, we, 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 we support that. If a clearly identifiable group have a clearly identifiable right to self-determination. We support it. We like it. We like com- bottom-up communities uh, that grows, that, that takes responsibility for themselves and so on. But it's not something that a declaration or a map or something can grant you. And that's why I think for us, there were certain lessons learned in the early 2000s where we saw the way to do this is to start small. It is not as romantic. It is not as you know, fantastic. It's just a lot of work. But it really, really pays off in the end. It really pays off. And we had these big ideas and creative ways of thinking since since forever, since the Urania idea started originally. But mm. the more we are involved with this, there's two things, you know. First, I, I believe start small yeah. and, and let it grow rather than start big and let it uh, and the other thing that I believe is without this idea of Afrikaners doing their own menial labor and all the hard work themselves, without this idea of own labor, which Urania is so fundamentally based on, every every um, every opportunity without that would be an abortion. I mean, it, it just won't work. There is but what happens? What happens in the scenario where people are lazy? I mean, you you talk about the idea of labor being so important. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Uh, I could show you a lot of examples, <laughs> you know, of people being lazy. You know, that, that's the reason the Roman Empire fell. I mean, that's the reason, that's the reason why empires fail. Um, they, they've lost that. And, and, and if the bigger the empire, the, the slower the decline, but the harder they fall as well, you know. So that's what happened to apartheid South Africa. You know, that's, that's basically it. Uh, and it's, it's not, it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not, mm. they can almost say it's not ethical. Uh, labor is an errant part of, of human nature. You, we need to do it. I mean, and religiously it's also, I think it's important. Mm. Now, does it mean that you as Jeremy needs to be able to build your own house, service your own car, uh, you know, dig your own trenches, dig your own water supply routes? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you can't create entire social systems where labor is contracted out. You know, in the modern world, we like to contract everything out. We contract our entertainment to Netflix. We contract our children's upbringing to public schools. We contract our labor to someone that's less fortunate than us. We contract all the responsibilities in our communities to the state. We don't want any responsibility. Everything is getting contracted out. And our children are suffering in schools. Our, our entertainment industry, we just spoke about how woke that has become. So the more we contract things out and people are making money from us, the less they have our interests in mind and the more they just have financial gain in mind. And it's, it's not natural. Uh, we, we, we are becoming so hyper-specialized as, as, as people. Um, and it's not healthy. It's not good. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Okay, Joost. Um, couple questions from the viewers that I simply cannot ignore. You know it's coming. We all know it's coming. Right. We've got to talk about the pseudo-pandemic for a couple of minutes. People want to know about masks in Orania, COVID in Orania, etc., etc. I'm going to answer this um, <laughs> in this way. As a public representative of Orania, I will answer it in this way. Our... Um, our way of, of, of handling this from the beginning was we have, there's no responsibility on us as a community to police our people. It's not our job. Um, Orania is still part of South Africa. It's not an independent state. We still fall under the same rules. It also is a very remote uh, community. Um, and actually, I can say this in public, I mean, because Orania get a lot of tourists and everybody can see. Orania is just dump their masks very, very quickly. And um, for the first few weeks or so, maybe a week, people wore their masks, of course, you know, nobody really knew what was going on and so on, but they dumped them very, very quickly. Um, and people driving through Orania won't see a lot of masks. Um, but it is everyone's own choice, the way they want to, to handle what's going on. Um, we are not enforcing a way of thinking regarding that. We don't actually talk about it all that much in terms of do this or do that or make this or this decision. It's people's own choice, you know? And we're not going to police, we're not going to police people. We're not going to force people into arbitrary laws. Uh, but the choices you make is the responsibilities that you have to wear, whether you become ill or whether there is implications of the law. Every private citizen has to make that choice for themselves. I think you've just created a massive demand for people wanting to move to Oranya. <laughs> There's already a massive demand. We're going to record numbers every year for the past three. But uh, I think, you know, it's, uh, that's the way it should be. Um, I think that is something that is, 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 is making people so angry about what's going on with COVID, you know, the, fact that people are forced to make decisions they don't want to make that's never a good idea i mean people are obviously going to react differently in terms of um of uh, of, of of how they how they see fit for for the situation to be handled some think you must triple mask double wax and socially distance and to be honest it's their choice to make some don't think that way and it's their choice to make and Urania or nobody else for that matter should be policing the way people think about things like that. And it's, it's a, something like medical issues is, um, is a private choice for people. Just 
in front of you there's a crystal ball what do you see uh, interesting times <laughs> does it really matter in which direction and Jeremy South Africa is a fantastically interesting country to live in I um, cannot uh, phantom the boredom that people must um, must experience well not now but two three years ago immigrating to stable countries such as Australia or or, or Europe but now things are changing there as well right so um, interesting times nonetheless South Africa is a very unique country very exciting um, very much unpredictable if I look at Urania and obviously I am biased because I very much believe in the Urania idea and I very much like living here so if I look at Urania based on the on the data available to me in terms of our census and things like that and the experiences that, that I've had yeah, um, economic growth in Urania is going to go through the roof population growth is going to go through the roof um, a lot of old challenges will simply disappear as we grow and new challenges will arise. Um, I, I see a Urania that's more and more dominating the area around us as well, becoming a major role player in the Northern Cape in terms of economics, in terms of population and, and, and. Um, so that's some of the things that I see. I see um, in this crystal ball of mine, very exciting, it's the first time I, I'm actually looking in it now, didn't know I had it. Um, so I see also that, that Urania as a community starts creating uh, sets of value that is valuable to other communities or societies as well. Um, it has happened on multiple occasions that the South African police called uh, Urania Veiligheidsdienst, the Urania Security Service, for help uh, regarding situations that, that they find tough to, to handle. And I think it's a good thing. You know, everybody knows in rural areas the police are undermanned, understaffed, under-equipped, underpaid, under-trained, everything. And it's good to help in our, in our broader area. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit bad that the state is actually needs uh, private institutions to help them. But it's good for Iraniats, you know. It's good, good for us to, um, to have a good relationship with, with the role players around us. And, 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 and I, think it's a, I think it's a good thing. So it can happen to other things as well, things like our legal system, things like our maybe skill sets that develops here, things like our safety and security systems, things like ideas and engineering ideas and things that's developed here that might be of value to other communities as well. Uh, if we just look now, I mean, we are uh, working on a solar farm. The first phase is, 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 is now in progress, very, very exciting project. Um, it won't be long, I think Urania has got plenty of sun um, and um, it won't be long until we are in a position that the, the peak capacity for, for that's actually been created in the solar farm is more that we, we use and then we can start selling power to a third party. Um, and I mean, with, with, there's, there's not so much wrong with ESCOM's ability, the, the infrastructure to, 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 uh, to move, move electricity throughout the country. So, so maybe on the on the creating electricity part, there's a, there's a bit of a shortcoming, but the infrastructure is there. So we can actually, I can sell, you can buy power from Urania maybe uh, in two years or three years or five years. Any third party might be able to, to buy power from us, electricity. Uh, so that's maybe another set of value that we might add uh, to the rest of the country. Uh, so things like that is happening. We, there's major infrastructure development in Urania. It's a really, it's a great time to be here, you know. Uh, people can go check out our Facebook page, Urania, you know, just see some of the things, some of the photos that we post there in the past few months. Solar farm developing, um, you know, massive um, sewage farm developing, be able to, it's, it's expandable modularly to, to accommodate yeah. up to 10,000 people. We can't plan just for 500 or 600 because we're growing so rapidly. Um, so we, we're doing things on scale with the little resources that we have available. Uh, a lot of donations that people donate to Urania and help us to achieve things like this. Um, it's, it's a great time to be alive here. And, you know, fiber optic internet coming soon and then we can have an even better internet connection, Jeremy. We can, we can, uh, we can do even more shows. Um, but, but that is all the, some, of the, some of the things that's developing here. So, mm. you know, I'm excited. As you and I said a few weeks ago, um, I'm hoping to be 
uh, in Oranje um, within the next uh, couple of months uh, for a visit. So I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, Joost, where can people find out more about, about Oranje? Yeah, there's a few options. They can uh, they can follow us on social media. A lot of information is available there. Twitter is Urania Bewegen, like Urania Movement uh, in Afrikaans. Uh, Facebook is just Urania. Um, they can email us inlichting, like information, inlichting at urania.co.za. They can um, they can check out our webpage, urania.co.za. Uh, so that there's all some resources we're looking to create more. We're looking to translate our, 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 our webpage to have an a English webpage as well for, for English uh, English speaking supporters uh, so we're looking into a lot of a lot of things in, in, in those terms but um, but those are the easy ones webpage facebook twitter instagram um, we're there we reply to messages and try to to give us as much information as possible us straight on thank you for joining me in the trenches great privilege uh, jeremy thanks for the opportunity and it was a good chat it was a great pleasure my name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.